Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Place. Welcome back to the Talent Factor Football Podcast. I'm your co-host, Damian Parson, with my guy, my brother, Keith Sanchez. Keith, what's going on, baby? Mic check, mic check. My mic is hot, so you know it's time to talk some football, DP. Upsets, man. We do the upset alert segment in, you know, on our Wednesday show. We could probably should have picked five of them, right? Because, man, this is crazy. I mean, you talk about playoff pictures and everything else, man, it, it just sets the stage for, uh, uh, I don't know what's going to happen down the stretch of the season of just week three, week four, and week five, because everything we thought we knew, we don't know. Uh, but, man, let's get into it. We're about to have a good show, um, get all our reactions, and, and, and get this some of this stuff off our chest, because there's some big-time teams that disappointed us. No, 100%. But before we get to the good, the bad, the ugly, and all that good stuff. Let's let's talk about making some money, right? It's NFL Sunday opening week. Let's give a quick shout-out to our partners over at Bet Online, as they are the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the games start. And Keith, let's get it started, right? Like you you kind of already segued it in, baby, like... Week two, we thought week one was chaotic, right? Because we had a lot of um near upsets, right? You know, North Carolina and North Carolina State, you know, the ACC dealing with some, but, but they were able to pull it out at the end. So week one was wild. Week two was kind of unhinged, Keith. Yeah, like, it was crazy. That was crazy. It was some stuff that happened in week two that we, we didn't foresee taking place. But let's get to top of the line. I want to throw out there to you, Keith. USC, man, it's only two weeks, Keith. I'm not going to be a just a prisoner of the moment. I, it, it sounds like you're real close, dude. You sound like you're I am, real Keith. Close. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm real close. <laughs> USC looks like a like a straight offensive juggernaut right now, right? Like they walked into Stanford, a team that has beaten them the last couple years, if I'm not mistaken, right? Giving them so much trouble. Stanford's not bad. Not a bad football team. They have weapons on on offense. They have some players on defense. Yeah, and K- Jordan Addison didn't care. Mario Williams didn't care. Uh, Caleb Williams didn't get nobody for the offensive side of the ball on USC cared. Keith, I said this yesterday on Twitter. I know we all a lot of people picked Utah, not us, because when we did our Pac-12. We picked USC. We were ahead of the curve. You know what I'm saying? Let them know. Let them know. Shout out to Talent Factor. We were ahead of the curve weeks before. But, man, USC offense really feels and looks like an offense that's going to give 
teams, defenses, so many issues on how to stop them, Keith. Like, it's too, it's so many weapons, not just weapons, Keith, it's speed, explosiveness, twitch, all of that. Like, that can attack you at all three levels, man. Yeah, no, I, I think it's that in Caleb Williams, that dude. I'm sorry. Like, he 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 looks like the real deal. I had the pleasure of speaking with him over the summer, and you just got the vibe that he was calculated. Like, he knew what he was going into, and he wasn't afraid of it. Because let's be honest, US, USC, they always have five-star quarterbacks, right? But the question is, do you have a five-star mentality, right? Are you really ready for the big time, the big time lights, the showtime, the action, Snoop Dogg to be on the sideline, you know, the Trojan. Are you ready to be in L.A.? Are you ready to be that guy to walk up Hollywood Boulevard, right, and everybody know your name? And Caleb Williams, he's that guy. He's ready for it, right? Like, he made that transition from Oklahoma to USC, came with Lincoln Riley. Um, But I, I loved his pregame interview when he talked about that, you know, he went back and forth, right? Like, it wasn't just a foregone conclusion that, I, you know, the minute Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, I was going there too. And that lets me know that he made sure that he made a calculated decision, right? It wasn't just, I'm going with Lincoln, and that's that. Um, So, man, they, they've looked impressive. Like you said, they got Jordan Addison, who is going to kill in the Pac-12. I mean, you know, they, they couldn't hold him in the ACC in the Pac-12, which is probably, I want to say probably, it is a weaker conference overall he's going to dominate then you have mario williams and i'm more than sure that they have even more weapons that they're going to continue to get involved as they get more and more comfortable this was a big win because this historically you like you said usc loses to stanford and it's usually through physicality and you know just bad play overall but that team we seen yesterday they was consistent in what they did like in their approach um it looked like how they practiced the plays that's how they came out, right? Like they, the execution part of it looked really good. So I think that's the biggest takeaway is that, man, this this USC team looks as though it is operating at a high level from the perspective of they're executing just the plays that they're calling. No, hundred percent. And you talk about the other weapons they have. I think it's I think his name is Brendan Rice, and and the last name is should ring a bell because it's Jerry Rice's son. So Jerry it's like. Rice. You know what I'm saying? Like they have weapons upon upon weapons, man. But I, I'm excited to see how this season goes because Keith, if they run the table, like I think we talked about in one of our, our our TDN staff meetings, there's no way the the, the college football committee is like, man, Pac-12 undefeated USC. Nah, we're gonna leave them out. Nah, they they're gonna be one of them four teams that you know it's like, well, Michigan maybe you don't make it because you did lose to Ohio State, and Ohio State's the Big Ten champion, or vice versa. Or maybe they get a little bold. Maybe they take a, a a page out of our book and get a little spicy and say, you know what, <laughs> Georgia, you lost in the SEC championship. Alabama won; they're the SEC champion. Sorry, Georgia, you got to go to one of these New Year uh, New Year's uh, these other bowls. Maybe you go to the Rose Bowl or something. You go somewhere else, but you're not gonna be in the in the top four. So it's gonna be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out and, and what it can do and what it can mean for for the college football playoffs. But Talking about the playoffs and the SEC, man, we talked about them last week. I-, I wanted to bring them back up. Arkansas embodies the physicality of the SEC. Like, if if you're a casual fan and someone just told you, like, man, the SEC is a physical, gritty, downhill, just tough conference, and you didn't know what conference Arkansas belonged to, but you <laughs> pop on the tape and you, you watch Arkansas and you're like, man, that they fit that same that, style that alone, my man was right? telling me about. 
That's that it. Like, like physical <laughs> downhill. Bro, like the physicality that KJ Jefferson and Raheem Rocket Sanders brings to that run game and that offensive line. I'm not going to lie, Keith. In terms of running the ball, this may be the best run-blocking offensive line in the SEC right now. These guys are moving bodies off the line, getting vertical push, displacing guys, and just allowing that 6-2. And, and that was impressive, DP, because that's against a good South Carolina defensive yes, line. Bro. South Carolina, historically, if they don't have anything else, they usually have good defensive backs and a good defensive line. They, the rest of the team could be trash, but you know they're going to have some good <laughs> defensive linemen and some good defensive backs. And that was a good a good defensive line. Like, And I have uh, – you know, like I said, you got to write your wrongs. You got to admit your wrongs, right? I thought South Carolina was going to pull this off. like, and, and they made it close down the stretch, right? It wound up being, a, I think, a 10-point game. But yeah. that was, to your point, DP, that was a good defensive line that they they dominated. No, 100%. And, and like I said, South Carolina did make it close. It's just the fact that South Carolina just could not contain Sanders. Sanders is a 6'2", 227 with speed, Keith, like I remember tweeting tweeting about him yesterday and someone was like, because he wears that number five, they thought about Darren McFadden. And I was like, man, you know, shout out to the shout out to the OG Darren McFadden. If you don't know, please go to YouTube and look up them Arkansas highlights because he was a dude. But man, you know, Raheem Sanders and and, and just look at what they're doing. They ranked they're right now, they're ranked inside the top ten. Uh, in terms of rushing yards right now through two games, well, well over 500 yards rushing, you know, multiple touchdowns. And it's not just Raheem. It's also K.J. Jefferson, who's attacking downhill with the zone read and the power, the QB power run game. They aren't throwing the ball a ton yet. And as, I think that's where they're going to have to get better, Keith, to really make themselves a prominent threat uh, to the Alabamas and the Georgias in this in this conference. Because if there's two teams that can, that can man up on the, off, on, the, on the front lines, it's those two teams. If you want to really say, hey, we are an SEC um, – SEC championship contender, you're going to have to start taking those shots because with your run game, you're going to force teams to come into the box early and often. But I've loved everything I've seen from that run game from Arkansas. Yeah, I, and if I'm a head coach and Arkansas is on my schedule, if I didn't have it circled already, I'm circling that game now. And I'm saying this can get real ugly for my team if we don't show up, man. Just the, the consistent physicality that they play with, like it's it's one thing. It's you know it's like working out or like lifting weights, right? Like you you're you're good for that first rep, right? When you have two twenty five on the bar, but eventually you know you you hit that two twenty five, you're doing it five times, six times, seven times. By the time you get the rep ten. You're done, right? That two twenty five, and then it, it it wore you out. Your arms don't have anymore, and that's what that offensive line is is for that defensive line, right? When you're trying to get those guys off them, I'm cool for the first quarter, but man, when it gets to the middle of that third quarter, I'm tired, and that's what you see. And they and they, the defensive lines they just break down. So I'm definitely circling that game. Arkansas, listen, the way they play football. Every team has to be aware of them. And I'm talking about even your Alabamas, right? Mm -hmm. They have to be aware of that Arkansas can come in here and beat us uh, because of the style that they approach the game with. Nah, 100%, man, 100%. Keith, let's kick it over to the good, the bad, and the ugly. My favorite segment right here. This is my favorite segment. Let's talk about it. We're going to start with the good news, Keith, and I'm I'm, going to let you kick it off. What's your your good uh, following week two of college football? Man, listen, my good, it comes with some Aggie bad, right? But at the end of the day, I'm going to give props to App State. And, let's, and let me tell you why. 
Last week, they played North Carolina, right? That was a shootout game. They lost, what, 63-65? So, listen, coming from the perspective of being a small team, usually when you have those big games circled, you usually give your all, right? And that's tough to go North Carolina, give your all, because this is our one opportunity to kind of upset a team and, you know, stake our claim. We won't get a shot to play for a national championship. So this is our national championship, right? So they went all in on North Carolina, had a heartbreaking loss. Then you have A&M on the schedule, right? And usually you've emptied the tank. You emptied the tank on week one. You, you you know that you can, you know, you tried to beat North Carolina. You smell blood in the water. You just didn't get it done. But guess what? They came back week two and they got the job done. So that's why I gave them my good because guess what? They they didn't they didn't quit, right? They showed resiliency. They showed mental toughness. They showed up to practice the next week. And they got the job done, you know, at Texas A&M came to um, App State and, and they beat them. And, and I think that that's really exciting. So I wanted to give them all the credit in the world for doing that because they had two uh, tough back-to-back. -back. You're talking about a Sun Belt team that had to go um, ACC and then they had to go SEC, one of the better teams in both conferences. And they got one of the two. So I want to just give them the, the good the good ball. Man, Keith, the, the, the way that that whole thing played out, like, you know, when it happened, I was just like, there's no way. I remember people were tweeting about it. I'm watching another game, and people are like, man, like, A&M is, is losing. And I'm like, there's no way. I was like, aren't they playing <laughs> App State? And I was like, but App State was giving, you know, North Carolina everything they could handle last week, right? And then <laughs> it just turned out that they pulled off the dub, Keith. And like you said, shout out to them, man, because and they, they deserve it. And plus, hey, guess what? They, they were paid $1.5 million. Yeah, and if you're North Carolina, you're sitting there like, see, I told y'all so. I told you they were good. <laughs> <laughs> sitting there like, okay, cool. It wasn't just us. You know, it like Mac Brown sitting there like, man, look, I, it wasn't just me. Yeah, it wasn't it just me. It made the fact that you couldn't defend App State just a little bit better that they'd be the SEC, <laughs> a team that was ranked top 10 in the SEC and in the nation, man. For my good, Keith, I'm going to go to Michigan, baby. Okay. You know, I was happy to see how this thing played out last night, Keith. J.J. McCarthy, the guy I've been hyping for Michigan. Guy I felt like could take Michigan over the top, right? He's young. J.J. McCarthy came out. Remember the whole QB battle thing? And he's Jim Harbaugh said, week one, Cade, you're the starter. You, you go out there, you're going to play majority of the snaps. Week two, you know, against Hawaii, J.J. McCarthy, it's your, it's your turn. Well, Unlike Cade, J.J. McCarthy said, give me the ball. I'm not giving it back. J.J. McCarthy, man, uh, 11 of 12, 229, three touchdowns, a QBR of 99.2. And Keith, he averaged almost 20 yards per uh, per completion. He got guys involved. Ronnie Bell, 76. Cornelius Johnson, 71 in the touchdown. Max Bredston, 56. You got Roman Wilson, I think it was his first touchdown, and that was his only catch. And it was a 42-yard, you know, 42-yard bomb down the field. One, the, the thing I continued to talk about leading into this game uh, and into this, this QB battle is that J.J. McCarthy would open up the offense and give them more explosive potential, not just because he's a dual-threat athlete, that can run the zone read, run the QB power, and, and all that, all the QB counter stuff, get on the edges and, and, and allow his speed to take over. But he has the arm talent and the downfield accuracy that when Cornelius Johnson, the guy, me and you both turned the table on this, someone's like, man, this guy really knows how to get know? open. This guy is actually really good. 
This but the quarterback game. just couldn't give him the football. But now yeah. he's got a quarterback that can. J.J. McCarthy went out there. And then I'm going to tell you what, you know, it, it, some people may say it was bad. Kate McNamara came into the game, Keith. He played four, four series. He went four of six, 26 yards, and an interception. For me, that was it. That was the that was the that was nailing the coffin, baby. I was like, go ahead and go ahead and close that thing. Like let, let's let JJ McCarthy take over. And guess who's starting against UConn next week? JJ McCarthy. <laughs> now I like it, man. I, I I think JJ did, like you said, man. He he did what he needed to do. And when you look at the opposite side, right? Because it was supposed to be a quarterback battle. And last year, I mean last week, I'm sorry, when K came in, I think his first and second pass was an interception. So you know, I guess, I think we'll discuss this further on the Wednesday episode, but I think we, we both know what needs to be done um, in, in that quarterback room. But, man, I'm going to go ahead and transition. And, you know, like you said, with the good, the bad. I'm going to throw out the bad. And the bad for me was Alabama with the penalties. Man, it's, it's one thing to, you know, to go against a good team, Texas, whatever. You know, you can say pressure. You can say home crowd advantage and, you know, all the other things. But, man, the, the self-induced penalties, whether it's false starts, it was face masks, it was holding penalties, it was pass interference, it was hitting the quarterback late. It was, you know, just just everything that you can think of and just so how untimely they were for Alabama, right? You're talking about third and five and you get a face mask penalty to keep this Texas um, – to keep this Texas offense on the field, and it almost cost you the game. It almost cost you the football game. Um, you lucky that you have Bryce Young on one side and you have Will Anderson on the other side. And, and speaking of Will Anderson, man, I think Will had two or three penalties himself, right? And it was just uncharacteristic penalties. And I'm going to tell him this. Young man, stop pressing, baby. Stop pressing right now. Um, I know that, you know, you want to go win the Heisman and you're the best player in the, in, you know, in the world right now. And up until that point, he didn't have a sack, right? And I know that that was probably bothering him. So don't press. Like, let the game naturally come come to you. You you know, it may not necessarily be 17 and a half sacks. But if you have 12 to 13 really timely sacks this year, you're still, you're still that guy. So you don't have to press. You don't have to, you know, give that extra – step to knock that quarterback down and possibly cost your team a penalty because you don't want that to happen either. So my bad was Alabama and their penalties, man. They got to get that cleaned up. No, 100%, Keith. It was very uncharacteristic of a Nick Saban-led team. I think that was the most penalties they've had since he took over. Like, yeah, they were think, just penalized. Yeah, since 2007. And Keith, and at the same time, there were penalties that they weren't even called for that they should have been flagged for. Like, there were some defensive pass interference penalties down the field and, you know, holding and different things like that. I, I, like, I said this, too. I, I could have put my bad on, on that secondary. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this maybe Wednesday or something, but Xavier Worthy gave them the business. <laughs> he was it, it giving was, them problems. It, it was unreal how like how consistent he was working that secondary and had people on Twitter asking where's Eli Ricks because he wasn't in the game at during those moments at all until your point about Will you know Will Anderson you know like you said that was his first sack yesterday timely sack too it was on time you know what I mean if if it, if it was you could call him FedEx, you know, or you can call him Amazon Prime, whatever you want to call him. He was on time, baby. And that that's what they needed in that moment. Because even 
without Quinn Ewers, Hudson Card was still able to yeah. make positive plays. So, you know, for him, and like I said, you know, he had like four missed tackles yesterday, but he had two hurries in the sack. So, you know, he was able to, to, to right some of the wrongs, but the penalties were definitely rough. And, you know, Keith, you know better than anybody what my favorite saying is. Keep the energy the same. So me, I got to embody that saying here. My bad was Billy Napier and Anthony Richardson. I okay. almost put them as my ugly, but I found something that was a little worse. And <laughs> <laughs> man, like to come out and and Billy Napier for me, first year head coach in Florida, first time with this team, Anthony Richardson, third career start. Second career, second career start in this offense, right? Now, he, even though he has offense down pack, he's still a young player making strides. They were not in sync yesterday, last night at all. You know, instead of coming out, you came out. I, you know me, I'm always, I'm always one with the with the basketball, football references. So stick with me here. When 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 you see LeBron James, LeBron James is not Steph Curry, right? He's not gonna come out and just jack threes cold off the bench. That's not his game. LeBron James is going to dribble his way into getting his body warmed up. He's going to barrel through the, the through the lane, get his and ones. He's going to dunk on the cat here or there. He's going to, he's going to get 15 points in the first quarter, just driving, hitting the, the fadeaway from, from the post, just getting his body physically warmed up. Then you start seeing him get into his bag when he's like, okay, I'm feeling myself now. And that's when you see him taking those step back threes, those side step threes, because he's warmed up. He's ready to go. He's a guy that has to dribble and physically get himself to that point as a shooter because he's not a natural shooter. You know, he's, he's gotten a lot better over his career. Anthony Richardson right now where he is in his young state, you don't come out and tell him to throw 30 yards downfield or open the game up. You don't right. tell him to start taking these, these deep shots. Get the run game going. Like, allow, allow Kentucky to feel the same physicality that Utah felt, right? So then when you get the run game going, then that's those safeties start to creep up. Those when you do the read option in the zone read, those linebackers take that false step and gives everybody else on your offense an extra second or two to get open or to get to their spot. Or if it's Anthony Richardson to pull it and hit the perimeter. They didn't do that. They came out trying to throw it, and it was just like I felt like. And, and shout out to Nick Saban. I think he calls praise from the media and fans rat poison. And I felt like Florida, Anthony Richardson included. I felt like they bit into that rat poisoning, and 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 and, and they got infected last night. He was just pressing, came out firing hot, like legit missiles. Instead of pulling some off of his passes, shout out to Joe. His favorite, one of his favorite lines: "Pull the string on it, take some of that that mustard off, man. Like layer it. Like he struggled with that for most of that game last night. He was amped, he was hyped, and his accuracy and ball placement suffered as a result." And for me, that it was just bad because we're going to be honest with you. We hyped this matchup from a QB standpoint that this may be the battle for QB. one. Neither one of those quarterbacks were impressive last night. Neither nah, one of them. Like, they, Will, Will Levis had the, he nah. had the 55-yarder, but outside of that, it, it, he wasn't good either. Like, you know what I'm saying? Outside of hitting the, the, the open, easy manufactured throws, he wasn't good. And neither was Anthony Richardson. He just was worse. So it's like, for me, my bad is Billy Napier and Anthony Richardson. But the good thing about it for both of these two young, well, Billy Napier is not young, but young in terms of their Florida careers, 
this is a learning, this is a stepping stone. This is a learning lesson. You got to bounce back from this. But that performance last night, Keith, at home in the swamp, that was downright bad, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it wasn't good, man. And I agree with all your points. And, you know, when I did my player presentation on Anthony Richardson, that was one of my things, right? I said, I think this is a player that has to get comfortable with the run game first. Like, he, he needs to get some of that quarterback power, quarterback counter, quarterback option, you know, and, and let him get comfortable. Let him get settled down. You know, I, and I thought that's, that that would happen because – I've watched Billy Napier at ULL, right, before he got to Florida, and they were a heavy run team. I just think, look, sometimes you get excited, right? Like you got a brand new toy, and you're like, oh, man, I never had anything like this, right? That's like getting that new fast car, that Lamborghini, that Ferrari, and then now because you never had a car that had 250 on a dash, you want to try to do 250, and then you wind up wrecking the car, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's what it was, but I think they'll go in there, watch the film, and then look themselves in the mirror and be like, okay, who are we, right? Because not even from just an Anthony Richardson perspective, but talent-wise, our talent is with our running backs. We have a stable of running backs. We can go three, four running backs deep plus Anthony Richardson. So more of a philosophy standpoint, um, Anthony Richardson 100% has to play better overall. And then, I mean, skill set-wise, they have to get better. But I'm still – Florida's still a dangerous team if they stick to their philosophy. Oh, absolutely. So, bad. Man, 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 man. You mean the Marcus ugly? Freeman. Marcus Freeman, my brother. Um, he lost yesterday to Marshall, and he's 0-3 as a head coach at Notre Dame. This is not good. <laughs> this is not good at all. Um, so, man, I had – it's, it's and, it, and it wasn't just ugly in the, the one week. It's, it's ugly because he hasn't won a game yet as a head coach. That is not very good. Uh, and and I, I don't know what else to say much more about that than it's it's not very good. Uh, you're you're 0-3. Like, Marshall was supposed to be a win. People gave you the excuse of, hey, bowl game, you're taking over for Brian Kelly. Last year, you know, you lose that game, hey, it's okay. Week one, you open up with Ohio State, you lose that game, we get it because Ohio State is probably the more talented team. Marshall, there is no reason why you should lose that game. None at all. There's a lot of pressure on you. Um, obviously being a black man coaching at Notre Dame. So you know, that's just what it is, right? And and he has to deliver. So not like it's it's ugly score-wise, and then it's ugly also for him personally. And they have to get that figured out. I don't know if the football team just isn't that good, but then nobody wants to hear that, right? It's still Notre Dame. There is no excuse to lose the Marshall. So you, you can't even use that. Uh, but that, that was my ugly, man. My ugly is that, that that situation in South Bend, Indiana, is not looking very good right now. And, and, and Marcus Freeman has to find a way to turn it around. I don't know if you have to switch quarterbacks or go to a whole different philosophy. I have no idea, but that's not good. Nah, Keith. And, and like you said, to to come out, you know, 0-3, like that that's definitely not good. And then when you factor it in, like we are you – know, we're, we're, we're Notre Dame, like – we have this prominence. We have this aura. We're not, you know, we feel like we're a big enough deal. We don't need to be in the conference, right? right. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? We we have our own TV deal with NBC, and, and we're we're taking all the revenue because we don't have to split it with no one. And you know that people are not going to be happy with this. Like like I said, one, it's, it's one thing to lose to Ohio State. They got C.J. Stroud and all these receivers and 
good offense. They got a lot. They got a lot going for them, man. And and your, that was your first start with the the new quarterback. But like I said, Marshall is just is it's inexcusable, and it's it's yeah, no you can't, you can't reason lose for that. that. You can't lose that one. There, there's, there's not, not, there wasn't a whole lot for me to say. I did, you just can't lose that. Like, <laughs> you cannot lose that. Lose that. Keep, that's a great segue to my ugly. I'm talking about can't lose, man. Scott Frost, my guy. <laughs> what are we doing, huh? Talk to me. What are we doing here? Okay. First, we told you you couldn't lose week one, week zero, going 15-hour flight to Dublin Island to Northwestern. Well, <laughs> Scott Frost, you did that, right? You did exactly that. Then you come in, after going 3-9 and nine last year, you know, you got a new quarterback, and that's good and all that stuff, and now you're 1-2 because you lost yesterday to not an undefeated, Georgia Southern Eagles, 45 to 42. And I'm sitting here after the first loss, you blame the offensive play caller. We got to be more creative in this conference, in this, in this league, right? Talking about the Big Ten. Well, Georgia Southern is not in the Big Ten. And I'm gonna be honest with you, Keith. I don't know where they play, who they play for. I don't know. I think what it's the Sun, I think they're in the Sun, Belt. the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt had a hell of a had a hell of a they, week. They had a day. They had a day <laughs> yesterday, Keith. So the Sun Belt, which is why people were calling them the Fun Belt, because it was a lot of fun watching them play. But offensively, you know, Casey Casey Thompson, 318 passing yards, a touchdown. He had three touchdowns on the ground, might I add. And then Anthony Grant, 27 carries, buck 38, and the touchdown. Marcus Washington, 123 off of six receptions through the air. Trey Palmer, six for 81. But you gave up 409 passing yards to Kyle Van Treese, the quarterback for Georgia Southern. You gave up 233 rushing yards. A key peep game, five rushing touchdowns to Georgia Southern. And 45 points. Like I said, the bad, I, I nearly flipped the bad to ugly in terms of Billy Napier and Anthony Richardson. But when I looked at this box score and saw what happened to Nebraska, shout out to our boss, Paige. Last night she tweeted that she was unwell because of how this thing went, how this thing played out. And I'm sorry, boss, but at some point, the, the the seat can't be hot for Scott Frost no more, Keith. This thing has to be an inferno. This man is sitting in a roaring, nah, raging so fire right now. This is what's going on. The boosters know they're firing him. He know he's getting fired, right? Like they they it's, it's just a matter of when now. So they're they're talking about when. Like what looks good when you're talking about, I guess optics. At the end of the day, right? Like, should we fire him after week three or week four? Or do we let the former Nebraska Cornhusker finish out the year? They're worried about money right now. Like, okay, how much money does he have guaranteed left on their contract? Because I doubt that he wants to be there anymore, right? He, he's probably to the point where, you know what? Just fire me. Let me go. So <laughs> it's it, they, I, they both know what's going to happen, right? Like, the coaches know what's going on. All of the coaches know. You know what? They're telling their wives – don't worry about unpacking everything because we're not going to be here much longer. We're, we are not going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska past November 25th or whatever the last game of the season is. 
Oh, no, 100%. You are 100% right. They might as well go ahead. Whatever is still boxed up, go ahead and keep it boxed up. What's not boxed up, let's go ahead and start packing now because uh, this ship is about to sink and we got to get out of here. So let's but let's end, you know, one. I think this is part of my favorite segment of the show really is game ball selection. Man, and on the good note, Keith, we, you know, the, the, the top players for us, you know, some guys that we felt balled out that deserves that recognition and love. Keith, who are you giving your game ball to, man? Man, I'm, I'm going to give him to a guy that's, to us, we know him over here at the Draft Network because Joe Marino did a wonderful job of introducing us to this player. Um, but I don't think he's known to – the masses yet. And that's wide receiver from Tennessee, Cedric Tillman. Um, I remember when Joe Marino did the report on him, I felt really good about him as a football player, right? Just hearing Joe talk about him. But then to watch him yesterday in that Tennessee versus Pittsburgh matchup at Pitt, right? It was an exciting matchup. It was a fun game. It was probably the best game uh, that was on TV yesterday. Well, the Alabama-Texas game was good, but this one had more, you know, I guess like highs and lows, right? It was more, you know, uh, score changes and stuff like that. It was a really good football game, actually. And Cedric Tillman, for me, one, one he showcased athleticism, but we talked about Will Anderson with the timely sacks. This guy had timely catches. I thought he showed up and showed out um, great athletic profile, and he showed that just he has the potential to be a, a really good number two or number one wide receiver. But he balled out. I think he had nine, ten catches, 150 yards, one touchdown, and he had one drop. Which, if he caught that one, that probably would have put him at 200 yards and he'd have had two touchdowns. But I think he had a dominant performance, and he, he he's a dude. So I, I give my game ball to him. He carried that wire, that Tennessee offense, and he he's definitely their best offensive weapon. Man, Keith, we both sticking with the receiver position because, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Cedric Tillman as well. I got to go back to SoCal, baby, to the palm trees, the, the, the sun and all that in L.A. Jordan Addison, man. Seven catches, 172 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 25 yards per carry with a longer 75. That and it was it was bittersweet when he caught that 75 catch and run because that was on my guy, Caillou Blue Kelly. So I was, you know, I'm saying I was hyped for, for Addison, but I was hurt for my guy. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But the defensive coordinator put him in a bad spot with no safety over the top, but and in off coverage. But nah, I mean. You talk about being the, the the heart and soul of your offense right now in your passing game, Jordan Addison. Like we saw last week in Week One, um, you know the the whip route and him routing guys up and putting guys on skates, and he didn't. That wasn't you know that it didn't stop this past Saturday either. Yesterday, he just was dominant, man. Just hard to cover, hard to get your hands on the quickness. And what I love, though, Keith, is something that me and you both wanted to see more. He's winning outside consistently right now. Um, And then that was a really good corner that he faced in Caillou Blue Kelly. Don't get it twisted. He he balls. But Jordan Addison is just a different – he's a different dude. So, like I said, to have the day he had, two touchdowns, uh, you know, seven catches for a buck 72, man, like he he was – I'm telling you, he's a Rainy Belitnikoff winner. He won that with Kenny Pickett. Man, Keith, I don't know if there's a receiver that's going to keep him off. Like, I'm talking from the trajectories on being healthy. I don't know if, you know, Jason's hurt and, you know, Tyler Harrell's hurt as well, not that there for Alabama yet. I don't know if there's another receiver that's going to put their name on the ballot. You know what I'm saying? As this season go on, the way that Jordan, uh, Jordan Addison's been able to do to start the season. But, Keith, man, 
That's our that's our show, man. That's our reactions, our our, our unadulterated reactions to week two of college football, <laughs> man, it ladies was, and it gentlemen. It was crazy, a, a week two of upsets, man. That was wild. upsets, man. Upsets, unforeseen performances, everything, things that you did not expect. You you, you see you see spreads that you're like, man. Shout out to us again, real quick. Two and zero against the spread, Keith. Two and zero. Back we're, to back we're, we're weeks, baby. Not even just against the spread. We we got to be able to pound our chest a little bit more than that. We're picking outright winners here. You know what I'm saying? Because because Washington State won. They were they were what seventeen point sixteen and a half point underdogs. Seventeen and a half. And we said watch that they will probably win that game. And then and we we did it last week also with Florida picking them to outright beat Utah. So man, like we do the work. We do the work. That's how we able to predict them. Um, like we say, man, talent always wins out. Talent is always the factor. Talent is always the fact. I'm telling you, man. But listen, guys, just want to give a quick shout out and pat ourselves on the back for doing what we do, uh, and that's win. So, uh, you know, shout out to all of the fans, everybody that support us and show us the love. Continue to follow us um, and, and subscribe, like, share, leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, listen, shout out to our guys at Bet Online. It's NFL Sunday as we are recording this. Go mend you some money. You know what I'm saying? Go 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 treat yourself well with Bet Online and place you some bets. All right. As always, guys, I'm your co-host, Damian, partner of the Talent Factor Football Podcast with my guy Keith Sanchez and Keith. Give them that slogan one more time, baby. And remember, talent is always the factor. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.